everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. All right, let's pray, if we would, if we could. Uh, Jesus, we turn our hearts to you. We thank you for being the never-ending, perfect source of joy. And so in you, we rejoice. We ask that you would come and meet us today. Uh, we bring to you our full self, our anxieties, our gladness, our stress, our sadness, uh, our pain, and our praise. So come Holy Spirit. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks so much for joining us at the Vineyard today. My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors. And uh, man, I would love it if you didn't bring a Bible or didn't grab a Bible on your way in, if you would do that uh, and open up to John chapter 15. We are beginning a new series today called Empowered. And there's a couple of other things that are happening inside of this um, theme or thread that we feel like that God has been leading us on actually for quite some time now. The first is that Mike Tergiano is coming uh, this coming week. So the whole church is invited this Saturday morning at 9.30. Yep. And uh, we'll wrap around 12.30, but we're, we'll have some good breakfast snacks. He is going to talk on how to be naturally supernatural, how to, uh, you know, bring the the Holy Spirit and the power and the presence and the love of the Holy Spirit uh, to people, like just through our natural kind of ways of being. We don't have to be weird in order to uh, let God's kingdom come in every area of our life. So he's going to do some teaching. He's going to do some practicum or practice. Would love to join you. Would love to have you join me uh, this coming Saturday. You can just show up at 9.30. That'd be great. And then the other thing is uh, a lot of the life groups are using supplemental material from empowered resources that the Vineyard USA office has put out. And so there's these little like five to 10 minute videos uh, or possibly video clips that the life groups are showing. And then uh, you can continue the discussion, continue uh, to press into like what the Holy Spirit is doing uh, in you and around you. And so as, as we are opening to John 15, I want to just remind you of what I shared, uh, what was now two weeks ago, because if you were here, God's Story Sunday was last week. And that was just, I mean, if you were here, it was like amazing. <laughs> it was so encouraging to hear how God had uh, been working in people's lives. But uh, before that, we remember we wrapped the Chosen series, and simply by reading the stories of Jesus, we find that there is a lot of uh, supernatural activity that goes wherever Jesus goes. And uh, as his disciples uh, today and also back then, Jesus was constantly sending people out to do uh, the stuff to bring the kingdom, to pray for the sick, to proclaim good news, uh, the forgiveness of sins, to just to announce that Jesus is king. And as he, as 
they saw him do healings, as they performed healings themselves, as the early church uh, began to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, um, there, there's some things to notice. And there's some things to notice about the, own, the, the ways that we live, the, the cultural forces that are around us. The, I mean, the first is just that we have uh, lived, grown up, even if we were raised as Christians, around, surrounded by a worldview of materialism, right? Like, the only things that are real are the things that the scientific... Uh, method can test, and uh, that's not to say that we don't trust science or believe in science, but we believe that there's another dynamic. There's a supernatural or spiritual realm that our lives are being impacted by. And so, like I said, the first thing is just to have awareness. Like, if you if you believe the Bible, if you trust that Jesus was not just some crazy person, but a, a real prophet, uh, a real like teacher, uh, uh, not even the son of God, although that's something that Christians believe. Like even if he's a sane person, you have to say, oh, this guy believed in demons. He believed in the supernatural. He prayed for the sick. He was, he was tapping into a power that is beyond the material world, right? God, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, his father and the spirit. So two kind of set the stage to see more miracles, uh, to, to realize, like, first of all, three things. Uh, realize the need that is in us or around us. So to have eyes to see, but then to recognize our own limits, to say, like, I actually can't solve this problem. The, the, the problems in myself, the problems that I see go beyond what even a, a psychologist can do. Although, like, counselors can help, medicine can help, but there's a, there's a level of uh, need out there that only God can meet, right? And then thirdly, to participate with the Holy Spirit. Like this, these aren't my ideas. These were drawn out of the text that we looked at, the feeding of the 5,000. These are actually three bullet points from Rich Nathan. Some of you know who that is. Like if you were collecting vineyard baseball cards, he would, you know, he would be one of those that you would want to have. He's like... Top five uh, probably living influential vineyard pastors right now. So the, the idea of realizing our need uh, and the needs in the world to recognize our limits and to participate, to partner with the Holy Spirit, that's, that's what uh, really this whole series is about, if I could just frame it in those terms. Uh, but uh, let, let's, let's actually stand as my friend Gene comes up. We're going to read from John 15. Um, hopefully it will become clearer why this passage in particular belongs uh, in this series. And the reason we stand is simply to honor God's words to us. We, we recognize that there's authority. So go ahead, Gene. Uh, it's not, sorry. I'm sure you know how a microphone works. but <laughs> Never seen one before. Yeah, I know. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Let's just let that sit for a second. Like let that soak in. These are true words. Jesus is saying to you, I am the source of life. I call you my friends. I will make your joy overflow. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Now, again, if you're collecting vineyard baseball cards, Phil Strout would be another uh, guy in your deck. And uh, he was the national director most previous, like the previous one. And uh, one of the things that he kept saying as his tenure came to an end is he said, the Lord has put this on my heart. This is a prophetic word for the vineyard going forward. And it is simply the words from Jeremiah chapter six. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. I think in many ways, the the passage uh, where Jesus says, you know, I am the true vine and you are the branches, uh, summarizes Phil Strout's words to us. The idea that the way forward, like God's word for us now, is to actually put our roots down deep into the, the ancient ways, into the ways of Jesus and into the, the ways of connecting to his life. And so as we talk about what the Holy Spirit is doing, we must also talk about what we have plugged into or more precisely, who we have plugged into. That is the way to see fruit in our life. But uh, I'd like to ask for your help. If you put on your, your, like, I kind of have read a lot of the Bible hat, some of you have. Could Could you help me draw out what the Bible means by fruit? What, what does the Bible mean when it says fruit? What are the passages that come to your mind? Yes, Hadley. The one we're, we're together? Okay, so there's like, there's the idea of being part of God's family is like a level of, there's fruit that comes 
Like to, to orient our lives toward God means to join a community that is doing that as well. And so there are, there are things we do and there are things we don't. That's right. Who else? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? That comes through in a couple of different uh, letters from the Apostle Paul. Good. What else? There's action toward what? Toward the poor and the widow, yes. Yes, so there's the, there's the sense that fruitfulness, a fruitful life is the gathering of people uh, to follow Jesus, to, to make disciples, basically. So I thought maybe somebody would mention, you know, at the very beginning of the Bible, God says, be fruitful and increase in number. That's like, have babies. Uh, the New Testament kind of, it doesn't say stop having babies by any means, but it, it actually emphasizes, it raises the importance of having spiritual babies. So Jesus, uh, before he ascends into heaven, says, go and make disciples of all nations. So the, the be fruitful and multiply now has a disciple-making or a, a missional edge to it or emphasis. Anybody else? Liam? Yes, the gifts of the Spirit. So we talked about maybe the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Spirit. So uh, teaching, evangelism, prophecy are on this list, healing, uh, doing miracles. It's interesting. Jesus talks about fruit uh, and the, the conditions by which a plant bears fruit quite a bit. And uh, there's, a, there's a particular case in Matthew I believe it's Matthew 13, where Jesus performs a miracle. He heals a sick person. Uh, and I think there's, there's a demon involved too, right? So like this is, a, this is a physical and spiritual encounter that Jesus has. And then he goes on to talk about how, you know, good trees bear good fruit and bad trees like bear bad fruit. Uh, and, you know, fig trees bear figs and thorn bushes bear I don't know, briars or what, you know, like there's this idea that where the kingdom is breaking through, that is, that is fruitfulness. There is fruit being bare, born, uh, bared, you know, produced, <laughs> uh, where we, we partner with the spirit, where we see the work of God breaking into a person's life. And so, what, what, I, what I want to do now is just kind of describe how this fruitfulness relates to our rootedness, okay? So I, I've been reading, in fact, I'm reading a book uh, by Strawn Coleman called Beholding. He was a, a vineyard guy from New Zealand who's really gotten into a contemplative life. If you listen to the Practicing Single Way podcast, uh, but he, he did a couple interviews during the prayer episodes, and then they did a longer interview that they released. I'll share that with you guys over text this week. But uh, I, I've kind of been drawn to these two adjectives in describing what we're doing. And I think it actually goes deeply into the vineyard's history. And here they are. Contemplative charismatics. Uh, what, do I, what, do you, what do you think of when I say the word Contemplative. 
Stillness, meditation, thoughtfulness, yes. Like a monk is a, con- is a contemplative person, yes. Centering, right. So the, the, the word contemplative actually means literally to gaze. So in the words of the psalm, like, this is the thing that I desire, to, to gaze at the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. And uh, I can't say, I, I, one of the things that that takes is like attention, like the, an internal stillness to pay attention to, well, anything in life, which is becoming harder and harder. And I don't know how this relates, like if you have um, ADD or ADHD. I know for me, uh, my ability to pay attention or to gaze at something for a long period of time is like a muscle, where if I don't work intentionally at giving something my attention, I start to lose my ability to, like, really hold on to an idea, a thought, or to listen well for very long. And I mean, there's a reason for that, right? And it's here in my pocket. This is, uh, these things are making our attention span less and less and less. And there's, a, there's just a pace of life. There's a, a pace of work. There's, there's so much noise in the world that it's very easy to become uh, quickly distracted. So, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to uh, Pray As You Go, which is an app that like reads scripture and then you know, there's music and there's silence. And I'm finding myself like trying to check to see who won the latest NBA game this morning. This was this morning. <laughs> uh, and, and so like it, it's, it, it takes work and it's something that you can work at. And I'll, I'll unpack this a little bit more, but charismatic. What do you guys think of when I say charismatic? Holy Spirit stuff. Yes. Anybody else? Anything? Spiritual gifts. Yes. Especially the spiritual gifts that maybe aren't commonplace in like mainline churches, you know, like all of the spiritual gifts, but especially prophecy, healing, uh, but but including teaching and uh, people have the gift of, you know, leading worship or of evangelizing. Like charismatic simply means gift in Greek. Like we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, as you read, if you read the New Testament, the Holy Spirit actually infuses the entire life of a follower of Jesus. Like there's nothing that the Holy Spirit doesn't have his hands on, so to speak. So I put, I put these contemplative charismatic things on a, a little grid that maybe will help. These, again, these are adjectives uh, that, may, that could describe certain people. You know, some people are, I'm a charismatic, and some people are saying, I'm a contemplative. Um, there's, there's a difference in emphasis, okay? So, and, and we find this, uh, both of these things, I think, in... John 15. So the, a contemplative it would emphasize friendship with God, where a charismatic emphasizes the power of God, right? Get it? Uh, contemplative is fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the internal virtues. You guys know what that word means? It's like character. It's, it's like the, the ways we reflect the goodness and character of God. These are the virtues uh, versus the gifts of the Spirit, which I've listed a couple times, you know, prophecy, healing, uh, contemplatives tend to be better at listening or, or drawn to silence, whereas charismatics are more expressive. And can we just say louder? Uh, you know, like there's a lot of it's, you know, turning up the volume or just very, ex- very expressive, right? Uh, contemplatives emphasize being with God. 
charismatics tend to emphasize doing with God. Like it's the doing, it's, it's what, it's the fruit, right? Um, whereas contemplatives emphasize the rootedness. Like what are we connecting ourselves to? Um, and then finally, like contemplatives lean toward the liturgical, whereas charismatics are a little less structured, let's say. You don't know what's going to happen. Now, I think if people make a dichotomy, if people try to separate these two things, you're actually doing something that Jesus never intended. And if you look at uh, the way that our service is structured, you'll notice that some points of our service lean more toward the contemplative, and some points in our service lean more toward the charismatic. So, uh, for instance, like taking communion would be an example of a, of a contemplative exercise. You know, it's, it's not uh, it's not loud, it's, it's routine, it's liturgical, it's, uh, it's doing something to form us for sure, just like any habit. Uh, but but it's, it, it's, it's like this. So when I was in, in uh, I lived in Jerusalem for a semester, and I had a professor who, uh, who was German, and I won't try to reproduce her accent, because I would, you just don't want to hear it. But if, you, if you've ever seen The Incredibles, you know, Edna, like the short little... She, so she's this little spitfire German lady, and uh, she said that liturgy is, is so, can be so comforting because it's like you're floating down a river, and it, you're letting the stream carry you. So in, whether it be in silence, whether it be uh, in you know, a different liturgical element like standing up for the reading of Scripture, there's, there's something that you can just like rest in what God is doing. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the more charismatic parts of our service, like worship is an example, like it, it's the expressive, it's the, uh, it's tapping into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that's more of a, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I'm, I'm expressing. And so to go back to the floating down the river idea, like if you've ever been in a kayak on Marsh Creek, there are times where it's good to paddle or you don't go anywhere. But there are times where you just let the kayak float, because that gives you a chance to take in the beauty of the place. And uh, the metaphor works a little bit better on a river, but I've never actually seen anybody canoeing down the Brandywine, have you? Oh, people do it. Okay, well, anyway, there are times when you want to paddle, and there are times where you want to float down the river. So let me ask you this, ministry time, where does ministry time fit on that grid? Charismatic? And contemplative. It's a trick question, right? So in ministry time, as the entire foundation of the vineyard's view of the gifts of the Spirit goes, like it's all about listening. It's all about trying to get a sense for what God is doing. So in ministry time, as we do it publicly, or if you're praying for someone privately in the vineyard, we let silence do the heavy lifting. We wait we don't, we don't talk the whole time. Like that would be leaning toward the charismatic. It's a partnering with the Holy Spirit as we enjoy the presence of God in ministry time. And so like for some of you, and I've had this as someone who participated, has participated, not only led ministry time, like for some of us, it's simply a time that where we're quiet and we're orienting our heart toward God. And, and that can be, you know, for 10 minutes, that can 
that's a good exercise, right? Uh, for some of us, God is stirring us to pray. Other times people are praying for us. Like sometimes it's, it's um, a more charismatic experience. Sometimes it's a more contemplative experience. But they're, they're always, I think, meant to be mixed. And so like the next trick question is, was Jesus a charismatic or was he a contemplative? Yes, and both. Because he had rhythms that aren't even always necessarily overt in the New Testament, but this guy went to synagogue every week. This guy, if you've watched The Chosen, like he was saying before every meal, blessed be the Lord our God, King of the universe. There were contemplative um, rhythms that Jesus had, times where he would go off and just be quiet, away from the crowds, with God his Father, and pray. And by pray, we don't mean just talk at God the whole time. It was a conversation. Prayer is designed to be dialogue, even if there aren't words exchanged. It's a relational, like you're connecting with God relationally. And of course, he was also charismatic. Like he, he better than any person in the history of the world, could see what the Father was doing, could, uh, could know when to say, get up and walk, grab your mat, or open your eyes, you'll be, you'll see now, you'll hear now, like your ears are now open. He had this perfect harmony between friendship with God, listening to God, simply resting in his identity as a son of God, and the expressive, the, the, the fruitfulness of uh, loving people through the proclamation of a message and the empowering work, miracles, healing, care uh, that only the Holy Spirit could do through him. So, he is the vine. We are the branches. If we're truly connected to Jesus, there's going to be fruit in our life. And the definition of fruit can be, is wide. But I think it's important to notice if you're someone who like leans toward the contemplative, don't stand on one foot. <laughs> like let, let the life of Jesus, let the model of Jesus where he has feet standing, uh, like he's standing on the two feet of friendship with God and the power of God. And so I hope that it's not just a Sunday morning that you live out these rhythms. I hope this is your whole life where there are times where you're just focused on the fr your friendship of God. You're gazing at the beauty of God. And there are times in your life where you take a little risk because you sense that God has put somebody on your mind or heart. You've noticed somebody at the grocery store or someone just told you that I'm in pain and you're thinking, I wonder if I could pray for this person right now. I wonder what would happen. Like that could be God prompting you to do that. Uh, it ha I mean, it happens all the time. God puts somebody on your heart and then you send them an encouraging text and you find out, oh, this person was in a dark place. So, so pay attention. So in the vineyard, we have a couple of phrases um, that we like to use. One of them is, uh, can, we, can I pray for you right now? And if you were at the God story week, there was somebody who shared a story of, 
I did this in a parking lot. And I couldn't believe the impact and the fruit of that encounter. Um, but guys, I just got to say, it takes courage <laughs> to do this. And some of us, I think, misunderstand what courage is. We think courage is like, I'm going to muster up my courage. And once I feel confident, once I'm sure that it's God, then I'll go do it. <laughs> but that's not actually how courage works. Courage is, write this down, doing it a little bit scared. This is true when it comes to partnering with God and what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is true if you're a leader. This is true uh, if you're a basketball player, right? Like, courage does not mean I never have fear. Those people end up dead, okay? <laughs> like, if there's no fear, if you're not afraid of, you know, traffic in Philadelphia, a little bit, you'll probably end up in Iraq, right? But so courage is not no fear. Courage is doing it scared. And in our case, like trusting God, our faith says we can trust that no matter what happens, God is good and he loves us. And I might feel dumb, but God is going to feel proud. He's going to see the attempt. He's going to give you the words. He's going to afterward like um, pat you on the back and say, Better luck next time, you know, like, like he's the coach who's like there to cheer you on and pat you up after the interception. Okay, now I'm really mixing metaphors here, basketball, football, vines, charismatics, contemplatives. Okay, oh, where are we? I think this passage is more about the Holy Spirit than you think on first glance. I think that for a few reasons. The first is that if you still have your Bibles open, if you, uh, if you have the NLT, it's, it's just like a flip of the page back. But uh, he's talking about the comforter, the advocate there. If you go up to the heading, it says, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And in verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate that will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the passage right afterward, where the heading is the world's hatred, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. In verse, well, in verse 26, he's again called the advocate, but I think it's the same. It's the paraclete word if you're into Greek. Uh, can mean a couple of different things. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. The other reason I think that this, this idea of uh, connecting to Jesus as the vine, as the branches with the fruit that's coming is Jesus here uh, in verse 15, verse five. That was like almost the first thing that Gene read earlier. Uh, after he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then at the end of this little passage, he talks about how I'm telling you everything the father has told me. Some of you know the gospel of John really well. What does that remind you of? Well, I didn't hear what you said, but <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, well, yes, God's, God's love for the world is evident. That's John 3.16. Uh, and as you read John 3.16, when you hear eternal life in the book of John, don't think I get to live forever. Think God's kingdom. For God so loved the world that God's kingdom is here for all who believe, right? But I'm thinking of 
two chapters later in John 5. We just, we read this a few weeks ago. I'll just flip there. You can flip there too if you want. After Jesus performs a healing, he says in verse 19, John 5, 19, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. Jesus is saying, uh, I can only do what I see the father doing. It is a love relationship that I have with the Father that allows me to do the things that I see the Father doing. Jesus has friendship with God like like we can have it, but, you know, multiplied by infinity. God is wanting friendship with us. And he is wanting to have friendship with those. He, he's wanting that friendship to bring healing to those that we interact with. And so here in the vineyard, we say, can we pray for you right now? And we have a, we have like a model that we've drawn based on Jesus' example, based on what we see in the book of Acts that we call the five-step prayer model. I'm going to put that up there. Some of you have seen this a hundred times. Some of you have maybe never seen it. Uh, I think inviting the Holy Spirit is really important because throughout a prayer, again, it's, it's dialogue. You're listening to what the person says, but as you decide what to pray, as you're trying to discern what's really going on, you're listening for the Holy Spirit's voice as well. And what we're going to do today for second session is I'm actually going to play a little video by John Wimber. He's going to teach us the five-step prayer model uh, in all of the you know VHS quality video glory. <laughs> from 1995, John Wimber being, you know, like the first national director of the vineyard, someone who, you know, was influential in the vineyard movement's history. Some of you are like, I don't even, I thought I was just coming to a church. I didn't know there was a bigger body here, but the vineyard, like there's 500 vineyard churches in the U.S. and another 2,500, let's say, globally. Like there's, there's a lot of experience that we're drawing from as people have tried to partner with the Holy Spirit. And this, this model is what can help us, <laughs> uh, give us at least some, maybe it's simply a matter of giving us courage so that we can show up and at least have some idea of what's going to happen next. But, or I should say, and, here's a quote from Gary Best, who is a national director at Vineyard Canada. Man, we are just collecting vineyard baseball cards today. Okay. Is the very best quote up there? Uh, nope. I'll pull it up, though, on my phone, and I'll just read it. There is a, there is a V2, I thought, of this slideshow. I thought I got it in on time. Let's see here. This is Gary Best. We are natural people who have been invited and called to an amazing supernatural task. While there can be helpful teaching that enables us to learn and grow in praying as Jesus did, there is no method that will enable us to control the process. The only model we are given by Jesus is the one of simply learning to listen to the Father and obey him. I want to read that last part again. There is no method that will enable us to control the process. That's the scary part. The only model we are given by Jesus is one of simply learning to listen to the Father and to obey him. Jesus says, if you do 
what I command, then you are in my love. Listen to the voice of Jesus, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Connect yourself to God as a friend, as a branch is connected to a vine. Because there's all sorts of things that you can connect your life to. And those things will bear different kinds of fruit. But connecting yourself to God, to Jesus, bears, according to John 15, a joy that will overflow and a friendship that will last forever. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.